Well, good morning again. It's good to have at least 10 people in here. It's so great to have everyone that's watching by Facebook. And I do know there were some issues, but I believe Pastor Zach is such an electronic genius. He's got it all worked out. And so I think we've, uh, and so we're so blessed to have people that understand how to do this, aren't we? And, you know, I don't know, this may be the last week we get to do this. Who knows? It, it's it, Everything's changing so quickly. And, you know, we have heard rumors of, of uh, lockdowns. And if we do, we're just going to do that graciously, right? We're going to do what they said. You know, the Lord told the nation of Israel to lock down during Passover, right? He also said in Isaiah 50, uh, 26, he said, I believe it's maybe about verse 20 or somewhere along there. He said, I want you to go into your houses and shut yourself in. Until the anger of the Lord passes over. So it's, there's, there's instances in scripture where we are called to seclude ourselves and it's a wonderful time to get in the presence of God, get into the word and hopefully after today and in the message today you'll have a new challenge because I'm going to give you a new challenge today. But we're, as far as Impact Family, we are completing our, our uh, series on recognizing our roadblocks to healing. And today I'm going to talk about finding our balance. The first, this is uh, part three of three. And our first week uh, lesson was last Sunday. And we looked at how fear gets rooted into the heart of man and how chronic fear affects us. And we've just seen a crazy fear frenzy go on in our nation, right? But as believers of God, we have no reason to fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, right? But power and love and a sound mind. Self-control is what that actually means. And then Wednesday night, if you joined us by Zoom, we looked at uh, biblical examples of roadblocks to healings and things like unforgiveness and anger and, and lack of faith in God, unrepented sin, how we treat each other and dabbling in the occult. So all of those things can prevent our healing from coming. And today I want to look at finding our balance, finding our balance. You know, sometimes uh, we might think we're pretty balanced until we find out, until we tip over, right? Then we realize, oh, I wasn't as balanced as I thought I was. And I believe we're living in a very unbalanced world. But based on what standard? This standard right here. This standard right here. This is our balance. This is, our, this is the context in which our life should be conducted. And so we can, when we compare ourselves to the Word of God, are we in balance? And I'm going to give us a few examples today to look at. You know, I heard a while back that whatever you don't discipline will eventually discipline you. Whatever you don't discipline will eventually discipline you. And, of course, you think about if you don't discipline yourself in your finances, if you spend more than what you have coming in, your lack of finances will discipline you. If we don't discipline ourselves in our eating habits... Our eating habits will eventually discipline us in the fact that we can't eat certain things, right? And so on and on and on. And, and so we have to understand that self-control is very important in every area of our lives. And we've been living in a time of great threat now with this virus of the coronavirus. And I just, just this morning saw that there's over 26,000 cases in the U.S., over 26,000 in the U.S. with over 300 deaths so far. And we've been praying. We continue to pray as a church. We are a praying church, aren't we? We believe in prayer. We'll be praying Tuesday morning. We'll be praying Thursday night. We're going to be praying Saturday. In some format, in some platform, we're going to be praying. And if you just want to call and pray, call and pray. We'll just pray one-on-one if we need to. 
But there's, but we have been living, and we, if you turn on the news, and, and this, we really shouldn't turn on the news. The problem is if we're home so, so much and so, uh, so frequently as we are these days that all we do is turn on the news. And, you know, of course, most of the banner is just the corona pandemic, you know, and that's all you see, regardless if there's a commercial on the corona pandemic. Well, there should be a Jesus pandemic. And his word says that he has healed us by the stripes on his back. But he also said, you know, I'm paraphrasing, he gave us a brain, guys. We need to use our brain, right? He says he gives to us wisdom, and we need to use that wisdom that he gives to us. And so uh, when we're going through difficult times, we should ask ourselves, and this is a great time, and this is what I'm asking us today. As we're going through this difficult time, I want you to ask yourself, what is in me that's out of balance? What is my stress, my struggle, my problem? What is this thing that I'm going through? What is it What is it revealing in me? You know, a test usually reveals what you know, but it also reveals what you don't know, right? Your adversity basically strips you down to your fighting weight, and you realize how much muscle you really have once you get stripped down to that fighting weight. Well, in James, he says it a little bit differently. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. How many are considering the coronavirus an opportunity for great joy? Well, you know, I like some of the changes that I'm seeing, honestly. I like seeing the unity of people working together in our government because, you know, it tells us in the Word of God that that's where God sends the blessing is where there's unity. And if we want our nation to be blessed, we need to be unified, right? So it's a good thing to see that. So count it all joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Your endurance, when you're tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. We build up antibodies, don't we? In a physical sense or medical sense. Romans 5 tells us a similar thing. says we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. You know, most of the time the body of Christ doesn't rejoice when they're going through problems. It's drama, drama, drama. And it's, it's complained, it's complained. But, you know, we're supposed to be rejoicing we're, you know, because we get an opportunity to see the grace and the power of God operate in our lives. It says, here's that word again, for we know they help us develop endurance. And endurance helps develop strength of character. Character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. So what does endurance mean? And it's simply in the, in the Greek, it's the, it's the power to withstand hardship or stress, especially the inward fortitude that is necessary so as we go through struggles and as we go through trials it helps to build with, up within us an ability to handle the next trial just a little bit better right just like our body does our natural body does this as well you get when you get exposed to a virus or a germ you build up antibodies so it's not affected and that's why we get these vaccinations which are questionable right but when we don't have endurance It causes us to compromise because it causes us to focus on the symptoms if we don't have endurance. And what do we do? We want quick fixes. Instead of getting to the root of why I have a problem, I just want to fix the symptom instead of really fixing the problem. So we treat the symptom, and many times, many people will live all of their lives managing symptoms and never really get their lives clean and, and pure and set free as they should be. And so when things are out of balance, our life gets off center. We don't see things as we should. And many times we'll blame our circumstances or we'll blame someone else. or, you know, And we can never make progress because we really can't see any further than right here, right? It's kind of like if you think about it, uh, if, if you've ever, hopefully if you haven't had this issue, 
But if you uh, have a canoe or something and there's a hole in the canoe and you're constantly bailing water, but you're not fixing the hole, right? What good is that doing? It's causing a lot of energy, right? Using up a lot of resources. Or maybe in your yard, you know, we have our lawn treated and so it kills weeds. But otherwise, all you're doing is just cutting down the weeds every week, right? Instead of pulling it up by the root. So until we get things up by the root, we're really going to have to continue dealing with the symptoms. Which, let me make a commercial here. I've decided that I'm going to start Luke 418 by Zoom on Wednesday night, starting this Wednesday night. And Luke 4.18 deals with symptoms, deals with roots instead of just dealing with symptoms. I've had uh, several people ask for it. And so I thought, well, this might be a good venue or good platform to, to try it on. You know, we've never done it except through live and we've done it, I don't know, dozens and dozens of times. But, uh, we've had people from other cities even ask us for it. So this will be an opportunity. And, and so we'll be getting information out about that. And we also have the ability to give you the uh, handouts online as well. And I forgot to mention this. If you're listening and you want the notes to the message today, they're on our po- on our podcast. So you can go and just pull those down as well. So we treat symptoms. And like I said, many times we spend all of our life dealing with symptoms instead of the disorder or the disease. You know, it, for instance, if you constantly have financial problems, many times if someone deals with the symptoms, what they want, well, I've got to go borrow more money. Well, that's not, the, that's not the solution to your financial problems. That's the cause. That perpetuates your problem. Or how about health problems? Well, I've got all these symptoms. Well, I just need another pill. Well, what about making some changes that will bring about and reveal the root cause? And so we need to quit blaming circumstances, blaming mom and dad, blaming other people. And we need to deal with what's really going on in our life and get our life back in, in balance. And just for an example, I was just thinking about someone uh, Terry has had issues with blood pressure in the past and he's been on medicine. He's been off medicine and he had to make some severe changes to get off the medicine. And I've heard people even say, well, I'll just take pills and that way I don't have to change this or I don't have to change that. But I was just thinking and I, of what are some of the symptoms of someone with high blood pressure other than putting the cup on and measuring the number. But these are some common symptoms for high blood pressure. And let's just suppose that this person isn't even aware that they have high blood pressure. They just have the symptoms. So number one, one of the first is a severe headache. Second is fatigue or confusion, vision problems, chest pain, difficulty breathing, irregular heartbeat, blood in the urine, pounding in the chest, neck, or ears. All of these are symptomatic of high blood pressure. And this is how a doctor will diagnose issues like the coronavirus. Have you seen? It says if if you have a cold, these are the symptoms. If you have the flu, these are the symptoms. If you have the coronavirus, these are the symptoms. And so that's how they diagnose it. And so um, all of these are symptoms of a problem, right? They're all symptoms of a problem, but they're symptoms that have a root cause. And that's what I really want us to look at. If you don't get to the root cause, you're never going to get, we're never going to get our life into balance. So what happens if we just say, for example, focus on the symptoms of someone with high blood pressure? So for a severe headache, we'll just take an aspirin or Tylenol. Or how about for fatigue or confusion? Well, we'll just take extra vitamins. Or how about vision problems? I need to go get my eyes checked. Or how about chest pains? Well, I need a muscle relaxer. Difficulty breathing, I'll just get my inhaler. Or how about an irregular heartbeat? I'll just get something to adjust it. Or how about blood in the ear and I'll just get an antibiotic, I must have an infection. Or the pounding in the chest, neck, or ears. 
I'll just get more meds. The doctor will help me out. So we medicate ourselves so we don't feel the symptoms and we avoid dealing with the real issue. Let me say that again. That's very important. We medicate ourselves so we can don't feel the symptoms and avoid dealing with the real issue. In other words, again, we manage our symptoms. I believe most people, especially in this nation, have learned to manage their disease and learned to manage their sickness. I want to ask you, how many things are you still dealing with today? How many symptoms are in your life that you were dealing with last year? Or two years ago, or five years ago, or ten years ago? Same old problem. That little hamster on the wheel going around going around and around. Same old problem. How many are you, are you still dealing with the same issues that you dealt with last year? Or five years? Or ten years? The same old financial issues. The same old family issues. I can't seem to find a friend. I can't seem to hold a job. Whatever it might be. There's a reason for that. But you know, also our nation is sick. Do we know that our nation is sick? The coronavirus is causing our people to be sick, but our nation is sick. And, and you know, in, in, uh, in Isaiah, the Lord told the nation that they were sick in their heart and injured in their head. And I believe the U.S. is the same way in many nations of the world. Why is that? Because we have all the symptoms. We have immorality on the increase. We have abortion that's been legalized in, I guess, every nation now. We have violence and crime rampant. We have marriages that are ending in divorce at high rates. Churches compromising with the truth of what the Word of God says. We're sick. We're sick in our heart and where our head has been injured. And the Lord says, own in that scripture that He will bring judgment on a nation. I don't know why people don't believe that God still brings judgment on nations. Sometimes people will think, well, Jesus, he, he, bore our, he bore God's wrath. No, that's if you're in relationship with him. But those that are not in relationship, when a nation turns against God, there's a judgment that's going to be, uh, you know, we need to be aware of that. I want to read to you the problem with, you know, last night I could not sleep. And I, uh, I just felt so impressed to get up and read the book of Isaiah. And I love that book. That's one of the very first books I read as a believer. But for some reason, I just felt so impressed. I got up and began reading the book of Isaiah. And, and in that book, is, it reminds me much, uh, actually the notes in it said it very much looks like the nation, our nation today. Because of the same things, they had immorality, they had idolatries, all of this was going on in the nations. But what they had done was they had forsook the covenant that God had given to them. And I want to read this covenant to you, and this is in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse, starting with verse 11. Now, this is for all of us today. This is the promise for every one of us today. And it says, this command I give you today is not too difficult for you. And it's not beyond your reach. See, don't say, well, I can't do that. Yes, you can do this. You can do this. It says, and it is not beyond your reach. It's not kept up in heaven so distant that you must ask who will go and get it for me. Or bring it down so we can hear it and obey. It is not kept beyond the sea so far away that you must ask who will cross the sea to bring it to us so we can hear it and obey. No, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and it's in your heart so that you can obey it. That's key, lips and heart. The words that we speak and what's in our heart. We spoke about the heart last Sunday. It's very important that the heart get in alignment with the Word of God. The heart's what empowers the Word of God. The heart's what qualifies what we hear or disqualifies. And then it goes on to say, says, now listen. Today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. This was the covenant God made. This is still in effect. We have a better covenant with better promises, but this is pretty awesome right here. It says, 
Today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, prosperity and disaster, for I command you this day to love the Lord your God, to keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, listen to this, you will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you're about to enter and occupy. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, and if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. Now, he's talking to the church, by the way, the church in the wilderness. This is who he's talking to. It's not those other people. And he says, you will not live a long, good life in the land you're crossing the Jordan to occupy. Today, I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now, I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life. Listen to this. Can you hear God pleading? Oh, that you would just choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. This is the key to the life of the nation. This is the key to the life of families, to churches, to schools, to businesses. And if you love and obey the Lord your God, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give you your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, over in Deuteronomy, I believe it's 6 and maybe 12, he says... That if you obey the word, things will go well with you. If we obey the word, things will go well with us. And you know, I hear, I've heard in my spirit a cry from the Lord that it's time for the church, it's time for the people of God to get back onto the word, to get balance back into their life, to bring this word as the foundation of their life. And Proverbs twenty-five twenty-eight says that a person without self-control or balance or discipline is like a city with broken down walls. What does that mean? That means that a city with broken down walls is open prey to the enemy. We're an open target for the enemy if we have no discipline, no self-control. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God will never give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. There's that word again. Sometimes we don't like that word, do we? Especially when we've got a big old bag of... of we've got this, we went to the store and got this big old bag of, of chocolate chip cookies with M&Ms in them. And I opened them yesterday and I thought, oh, I'm ministering on self-control and discipline and I I need to set an example. (laughs) But I don't need it anyway, right? Okay, 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be well balanced. This is out of the Amplified. Temperate, sober of mind, be vigilant and cautious at all times. For the enemy of yours, the devil, roams around like a lion, roaring in fierce hunger, seeking someone to seize upon and devour. Who's he going to seize upon? Those that are out of control. Remember, if we have no self-control, no discipline, no balance, we have no walls of protection around us. So when we're opening up our life and we're giving our life over to things that we know are not of God, we're opening our life up for the enemy to come in and devour and to destroy us. And so we need to keep in our, in our families, our families need to be holy families. Our churches need to be a holy place. We need to keep the word of God foundational. We say this all the time here at, at Impact is that you've got to decide what you're going to believe. Are you going to believe the word or are you going to believe what the news says or what grandma said or what your eyes see? Are we going to believe what the word says? How do we get our balance back? Matthew six thirty three says, but aim, seek at, strive after, first of all, his kingdom, his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. And then everything we need is going to be added to us. Actually, this is talking about stuff, by the way. 
all the things, you know, the food, the clothes, all this. You don't have to go running getting 14 cases of toilet tissue. God's going to bring that to you, right? We don't have to do that. So we, we just seek after God. Joshua 1.8, I love this, one of my favorite scriptures. This is what we can do in these times if we get quarantined in the next couple of weeks. He says, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. In other words, what he's saying is it should constantly be speak. Don't get it out of your mouth of where you're not speaking it. But you shall meditate on it day and night. That's all the time, right? You think about it when you get up. You think about every decision. you, you met. What would God's word say about this? What would God's word say about what I'm watching, what I'm eating, what I'm saying about someone? And then it says, so, listen to this, so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. For what reason? For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. If you're struggling with success and prosperity, this is the key right here. You meditate on the word of God. We can see this again in Psalm 1. I'm not going to go to that, but you're familiar with that. You meditate on the word. You don't hang out with sinners. You don't take bad advice. What does the word of God have to say? So Jesus has told us if we want balance, it's going to be found in seeking him. So we have to really get back to the very basics of life. And, and you know, we, 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 I, I think about just how we're anchored to God. How are we anchored to the Word? We have to answer this question for ourselves. And I was just thinking because, you know, we, we're not water people, but we love boats and piers and those kind of things, you know. And, and we don't, we go to the beach. We don't usually even go to the water, do we? <laughs> we'll go to the golf course or something. But I love sitting around boats. And, and when we're down at Myrtle Beach, we love walking on that boardwalk back, back there behind Barefoot Landing and seeing all the boats and the yachts that are hooked up. Or, or we have this favorite place in Lake Norma that we love to eat where we can just walk out on the, the pier area and see all the boats that are hooked up. And, and there's just something fascinating about that to me. And, and as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about these boats and, you know, with storm, when storms come up, if those boats aren't properly uh, tied to that pier, if they're too loose, they're going to be destroyed. Or if they're too tight, they're going to be destroyed. And the other thing about a pier is that a pier is where it's very shallow. And that's usually the most dangerous part of a, a lake or whatever, especially if there's a storm coming up. And I was thinking about people, and I thought how many are still docked at the pier of life. Many are still docked at the pier of life when the Lord is asking us to cut the rope, launch out into what he has made available for us. But we can't because we've got, we've so bound up with, with all of our uh, symptoms from our lack of, of control and, and balance and, and self-discipline in our life. We've got all these things we have to deal with. We either financially can't do something, we health-wise can't do something, we're emotionally we're a wreck, but we need to let go of some of these things. And, and we have to understand that God's plan for us is only for good, for prosperity, for hope, success. And, and I don't, I think the slides are not, well, you'll see them if you look at the broadcast, but Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us that God has good plans for us. But you know what it says after that? We usually don't go any further. If you seek me with all your heart, you're going to find me. He said, I've got all these great plans for you, but it's only if you seek me with all of your heart, are you going to find me? John 10, 10, Jesus says that I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I read Joshua 1, 8, Psalm 1, 1 through 3. We talked about that, how we, what we put our hands to prospers. Do you believe that? That's God, that's what God says about you. But see, too often we allow the circumstances of life, we allow the symptoms that we're dealing with to disqualify what God's word says because we can't see it, we can't touch it, we can't feel it. And God is saying that I'm for you, not against you. 
So as I was thinking about the pier, <clears throat> I did a little research on that yesterday, and some of the expert boaters say that it usually takes four special types of rope to tie a, a boat properly to the pier, four, four special uh, places that you tie a boat to the pier. And I was thinking about that, and I love acronyms, and so I thought, well, let's see what we can come up with the word pier. So, uh, so I'm thinking, I'm just thinking, these things are just very simple, but number one, we're going to use four. Number one, P. We need our past exchange for the present. We need to exchange our past for the present. God didn't call us to live in the past, but the present. And we, we've got to quit letting the symptoms of problems we refuse to deal with keep us out of our present and hold us back to the past. If we haven't dealt with past mistakes, past abuses, if we're still allowing those things to rob us, past emotional issues and harms, then we're never going to operate. See, you you and I are people of destiny. We're people of purpose. And God didn't call us. You know, our destiny is for the future. It's not for our past. And, you know, and God didn't say, I'm the God that was. He said, I'm the God that is. I am the God I am. So we need to get rid of the past and exchange it for the present. Number two, we need to exchange insecurity for identity. Insecurity for identity. I was talking to a young man this week, and he's just struggling with a lot of things. And I said, what's your plans in life? I don't know. I don't have any dreams anymore. What did you used to dream about? Well, it's been so long I've forgotten. I'm Bless his heart, he's only in his 20s. I said, do you know you have destiny and purpose? And he looked at me, you know, as like a dog looks at a new pan or something. I don't know. He just looked at me like, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, you have destiny and purpose. There's seeds of greatness inside of you. And that guy was fired up when he left. I just hope no one, st- I said, don't let anybody steal this. He said his parents robbed him of his dreams, telling him he couldn't do it. So he still got this in this cycle. He needs to get rid of those roots that are keeping him held down. He needs to know who he is. I tell people all the time, and you know this as well as I do, that when people come to us that need counseling or struggles in life, their biggest issue is they don't know who they are, especially when they say they're Christians, which most do. They don't know who they are. So we have to take on God's identity. And that's what I was saying. We have to say what God says about us. What I put my hands to prospers, right? What I put, I have the mind of Christ. God says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We have to take on God's identity and get rid of this loser identity that the world wants to give us. So we need to exchange insecurity for identity. Number three, our third rope is we need to exchange excuses for enthusiasm. We need to exchange excuses. Quit making excuses on why you can't do something. Get excited about life. Nothing happens till we get excited, right? Nothing happens. You gotta discuss. And I said to this guy, I said, what is it you like to do? Well, I don't know. It's been so long since he enjoyed anything. I said, find out what you're passionate about. And then that's what you want. What you enjoy doing is what gift God has given to you. And then the last rope is we need to exchange regrets for rejoicing. We need to quit moaning and start rejoicing. Well, I wish I'd have done this. Well, you know how old I am. I wish I'd have done that. Well, let me tell you something. You still, Jesus had three years. Three years. Moses was 80, right? What's your excuse? What's your excuse? So we need to quit moaning and groaning and drama and all this, and we need to rejoice on what we have learned from our mistakes, what we've learned from these imbalances in our life, and we need to seek God and move on into our future. 
This is going to happen as we are tied to this word. As we, The Deuteronomy 30 covenant is for us as well. Jesus fulfilled that for us. All the promises of God find their yes in him, right? But it's only those who are in relationship with Christ. Just because you own a Bible doesn't mean the promises are yours. Just because you walk in a church doesn't mean you're a Christian. It's those who, he said, if you love me, you're going to obey me. That's who it is. Those who seek me with all of their heart are going to find me. That's who the promises are for. So there's only one solution. Second Peter 1, 3 says his divine power has granted to us everything we need for life and godliness. And it comes through the knowledge of Jesus. Proverbs 1, 2, and 3, I love this. It says, the purpose of the Proverbs, listen to this. You should be reading a proverb a day, by the way. You should be reading a proverb a day. There's, there's 31, and there's 31 in some days, and so you get to read two some months. But let me read this. So everything comes to the knowledge of God. Proverbs 1, 2, and 3. The purpose of the Proverbs is to teach people wisdom and discipline. There's that word again. To help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives to help them do what is right, just, and fair. You see how powerful? Just just the Proverbs. So we can learn what we need. We can learn how to be good parents. We can learn how to be good business people, good church people, good believers, just by reading the Proverbs. So we have to recognize, we have to stop and recognize where we are. You know, he says, all this is great. Well, when you get alone today, I want you to go back and say, God, examine my heart. Show me my heart. Lord, I know I heard all this stuff, but what's, where am I at in all of this? Well, that takes humility. So humility is the first step, right? So everything we get from God comes through humility. But God is begging us. In Jeremiah 6, he said, listen to this. Stand by the roads or the paths and look and ask for the ancient paths. The problem with so many today is they think just because it was a 100 years old or a 1,000 years old or 6,000 years old that it's not relevant. The Word of God is just as relevant today as it ever was. And let me tell you something. If you don't make the Word of God important in your life, you're doomed for destruction and failure. That's what the Word tells us. But if we will listen to the Word, we are destined for prosperity and success. He says, stand and ask for the ancient past where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But do you know what they said? We will not walk in it. What if the voice of the Lord somehow could come out of the sky and says, I'm asking this nation to to stand by the road, stand by the word, ask for the ancient past that you can find rest and rest and get rid of these issues you have. And they said, no, we don't want to do that. That's not what we've been taught in our colleges and our schools. Jeremiah 18, 15 says, Because my people have forgotten me, they have burned incense to worthless idols. Have we done that? Yes. And they have caused themselves to stumble in many ways from the ancient paths to walk in pathways and not on the highway. That's why God's judgment comes. Everything we need for life and godliness comes through the Word of God and through Jesus is the Word. Everything we need. The wisdom of God is found in His words. We have to return to the ancient paths. You know, in Hebrews 4.12, it tells us that the Israelites received this Word, but it did not do them any good because they didn't mix faith with it. Are you mixing faith with it? I want to ask you, I want to challenge you. Choose what you're going to believe. 
Are you going to believe this word? Are you going to believe Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, the Charlotte Observer, whoever you're listening to, or your neighbor, Aunt Sally, who didn't get what she wanted and she's bitter and upset and unforgiving, even though she shows up at church every time the doors are open? Going to church doesn't make you a successful believer and a prosperous and an overcoming believer. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. I shared this scripture a while back with someone and this person said, this scripture scares me to death. Well, it shouldn't. But it says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. This is the way. Matthew 7, 13, uh, 14, in another translation, this is the message, says, Don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't you love that? Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do it. The way to the life to God is vigorous and requires total attention. We used to have this person that we knew, and this is what he would say, you observe the masses and you do the opposite. You observe the masses, you do the opposite. If the masses are doing it, it's probably not in the word of God because few there are that find it, right? The Passion Translation says, come to God through the narrow gate because the wide gate and the broad path is a way that leads to destruction. Nearly everyone chooses that crowded path. The narrow gate and the difficult way leads to eternal life. So few even find it. So few even find it. There's a book, I love it. First first year I was at Gordon-Conwell, my professor recommended this. And it's actually a children's book, and I've made recommendations several times. It's called Hope for the Flowers. And it's about butterflies and caterpillars. And, and so they one, uh, one asks another, says, how, do one, how does one become a butterfly? And the answer was, by wanting to fly more than you want, want to remain a caterpillar. How do you become a caterpillar? How, excuse me, how do you become a butterfly? You want, to be, you want to fly more than you want to remain a, a caterpillar. How do you become a person of the destiny God has pre-described for you? As according to Psalm 139, every day of your book is written in his life. By wanting to do that more than you're comfortable in your place of treating your symptoms and in your discomfort and your dysfunction. How badly do you want what God has for you? How badly do we want it? I'm asking us to take a 40-day challenge, March 22nd through April the 30th. You're saying another fast, and I'm not talking about a food fast. You can rejoice. No food fast. We just did that. Terry saying amen. Yeah, we just got those cookies we got to get rid of, right? But that might, you're going to have to decide for yourself. But in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says, And may the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through, separate you from profane things, make you pure and holy, consecrated to God, and may your spirit, your soul, and your body be preserved sound and complete and found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. I'm going to ask us to take a 40-day challenge, spirit, soul, body. And I'm going to ask you in your spirit, Proverbs 4.23 says, you guard your heart above everything else because out of it flow the very springs of your life, the very issues of your life. I'm going to ask you to ask yourself, what am I feeding my spirit? 
There's only one thing that really we should feed our spirit, and that's the Word of God. Are we feeding Him the Word of God? Are we spending time with Him? Are we spending time with things of the world? What are we feeding our spirit? Do we take time to rest in Him? What are we feeding our spirit, man? Then our soul, 3 John 1, 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may, all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes with your soul. Our soul is our mind, our emotions, our intellect, our heart. We talked about that a lot last week. Is the spirit controlling our soul or is the world controlling our soul? How are your emotions? Emotions are controlled by what? Our thoughts. Emotions feed our behaviors. And if we don't like what we're feeling, we need to change what we're thinking, right? What are we feeding our soul? Our soul is that programmed state of being of who we are. It's that, it's that software that's running in the background of our life that, that controls everything about our life. And then finally, our body. Proverbs eighteen nine. I read this to you last week out of the Amplified. He who does not use his endeavors to heal himself is brother to him who commits suicide. What is God telling you about your health? How many have been told by God, don't do this, quit eating that, get exercise, get more sleep, give up the sugar, give up the soft drinks, give up the french fries? How many of you has got, I mean, you know, think about it. Probably all of us. I was telling someone that about 15 years before I was actually diagnosed with a sugar issue, the Lord told me, coming up I-85 in Spartanburg, South Carolina, you need to eliminate sugar. So he told me this this many years before. But what did I do? It wasn't hurting me then. I didn't feel the pain then. The weed hadn't popped up through the grass yet. And so now what I didn't discipline disciplines me because I love sweets, right? We all have those, our own thing. I want to ask you, where are you out of balance? You know, when Jesus was asking the wilderness or when he was responding to the devil, this is what he said to the devil. He says, man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is the word of God. We must feed our spirit on the word of God. I want to ask us what we're empowering in our own soul. Are we empowering the concepts of God? Are we, have we taken on the, the, the beliefs of what God's word says? Have we hidden this word in our heart that we may not sin against God? Does this word, you know, it tells us in Corinthians that we're to cast down any imagination that exalts itself against this. Any thought, any imagination that exalts itself against the word of God, we're to cast down. That's where we do this, our heart, our soul. And are we allowing our flesh to have its own way? And I want to pray for everyone. Normally here at Impact, we have almost every Sunday we pray for the sick. And if you're struggling with any kind of sickness in your body, I want you to put your hand on that place where you're struggling, whatever that might be. Maybe it's an emotional issue. Maybe it's a back issue, whatever it might be. Maybe it's fear. Are you consumed about fear? What if I lose my job? What if our business goes under? What if we never get to open our church up again? When are we going to get to have church again? So we have to bring these things under control. But, you know, we've not been given a spirit of fear. We've also not been given a sentence of sickness. Psalm 103 says, just like I forgive your sins, I heal your diseases. Do we believe it? What are we going to believe? 
What are we going to believe? It says, by the stripes on Jesus' back, we were made whole. So I want you to put your hand where, on something representing where you need healing. Your head, your heart, wherever it might be. And God, I just lift up everyone that's listening and full in here today, Lord. God, I just lift up every one of us, Lord, that have something going on in our life that needs healing. A dysfunction that needs to be brought into order. Disorder, Lord, that needs to be brought into order. God, I thank you that you are the great healer, Jehovah Rapha. And God, we just declare Jehovah Rapha healing over every person that's listening. Every person that's got a hand placed on their body, on their heart, or on their head, Lord. God, you are Jehovah Rapha, and we declare healing in the lives of these people. You're also Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. And Lord, many are struggling with emotional upset and fear and anxiety, depression. God, we just, and then, and PTSD for many, many issues of the past, some military, but a lot of it is just past issues, unhealed wounds, unhealed traumas. So, God, we just declare that you are Jehovah Shalom over the lives and the minds of your people. You said that you would keep us in perfect peace. Shalom, shalom. If we keep our heart and our mind stayed upon you because we trust you. So God, we declare healing. We declare wholeness. Father, we also declare freedom. You are El Gabor, the mighty God, the warrior God. And there might be many listening that are bound up with addictions from the past and the present. Drugs and alcohol, pornography, food, technology. God, I pray, set your people free. God, I pray that the the word of God and the word of faith will rise up within your people, Lord. And they will take authority. You've given to us all authority over the enemy. They're underneath our feet, Father. So we declare freedom in the lives of your people. God, we just thank you. We bless you. We bless every person here. We pray prosperity. I pray for protection against this coronavirus. God, I pray a hedge of protection around your people. Our children, our extended families, our seniors, our babies, our millennials. Father, we thank you, Lord. We just declare healing and wholeness. And we trust in you, mighty God. We trust in you. Lord, we just give you praise. We thank you, God. And we rejoice in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.